Um, yeah, if you, if you watched any football or tried to keep up with the news, what's going on with the election, you saw the power of cause and effect, right? If you're watching football, it doesn't matter how great your team is, if uh, there is a dropped uh, pass, if somebody uh, makes an interception, if there's a turnover, uh, whatever the case may be, it can throw off the whole game, right? The effect can be loss. And maybe if your team lost this weekend, then uh, you might be blaming it on that. It is the law of cause and effect. Uh, For someone running for president, uh, things can happen on a Friday afternoon that can have terrible effects on uh, your uh, campaign. And uh, we've seen that over this past weekend. Cause and effect. Sometimes it is difficult to determine... Uh, that relationship between cause and effect. But most of the time, I think we can put our finger on it and be able to figure out why things happen. And as we hear from this text today, this story of Zacchaeus, and as we heard from our children singing uh, about this wee little man, uh, the story that we probably heard long ago when we were children, maybe you sang that song. Would anyone like to sing it again by yourself? Okay. Maybe later. Uh, talk to Bill. No problem. No problem. Uh, as we hear this, we, we find that there is a cause and effect relationship going on. There is something that is happening here as Jesus is walking down the street and as Zacchaeus encounters Jesus, uh, his life is changed. And so as we look at this effect that Jesus had on him and had on really everyone that he encountered. We find uh, the same kind of effect uh, can be in our lives as well. So I want us to look here. If you have your uh, Bible, turn there to Luke chapter uh, 18. I'm sorry, 19, the first 10 verses. If you don't have one, I think uh, Elaine said it was on page 63, somewhere in there. So if you'll take a look at this, there's a lot to this story. And you can see in in this particular uh, image Uh, It looks like he's hovering in the tree. It's kind of a weird image, but uh, you can see that uh, the story is represented in in several ways here. But as we think about the effect, the first thing that we would notice is that it is magnetic, that Jesus has a magnetic effect on people. It doesn't matter if they're rich people or poor people, people who are healthy People who are righteous or people who are sinful or notorious for things that they've done in the community. It doesn't matter. Jesus has this magnetic power. And so as Jesus is going through town here, as as Luke mentions for us, as he entered Jericho and was passing through it, a man was there named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was rich. And so Luke tells us a lot about him right there really the things that we need to know. And as we look throughout Luke's gospel, as we've been doing here recently, uh, we see this contrast between poor and rich, don't we? There is this constant going back and forth. Luke is trying to make a point about this division between poor and rich. Uh, We saw it a few weeks ago um, as we uh, looked at the story, Uh, you know, this great chasm that was between the rich man and um, the, uh, the poor man. And, and there is this great divide that is there. There was a great divide in their lives. 
But also in their death, they were also on different sides. But there was a big flip-flop. And the poor man ended up on top. And the rich man, who didn't care about anyone else and just served himself, ended up uh, on the downside of that particular chasm between, um, between the two. So as we look at this, we see that there is that flipping that is going on as well. But Zacchaeus is doing everything that he can to get to Jesus. And we don't know too much about the backstory here in, in terms of maybe he had a friend that was healed by Jesus. Maybe uh, he had been somewhere where he heard Jesus speak before and he was not able to uh, hear more, was not able to, to follow Jesus that particular day. Whatever the case, this time he is making sure that he gets there to where he can hear and see Jesus. And it says that he was a wee little man, or we think about him, as it says in the text, being short in stature. Uh, I'm not sure it's even politically correct to say someone is wee anymore. (laughs) So you may not try that, but it it works for the song. Uh, But he was short in stature, Luke says. And some uh, commentators have said that that doesn't mean that he was a short guy. But it means that he, he was one who was not very well thought of. He was a tax collector. And as we looked at last Sunday, they were hated. These were a people in a group of people that were trying to make as much money as possible off of other people. They had to collect taxes for the Roman government. And they were doing this under usually a corrupt governor, somebody like Herod. And so he is going to people's houses, knocking on the doors, asking or demanding taxes, and then not only the percentage that they owed, but whatever else he wanted to ask for on top of that. It's, it's kind of like payday lending, uh, or even worse, it's like robbery. And so you wouldn't want to see Zacchaeus come into your door. I'm sure Zacchaeus was beaten up at different times. I'm sure people spat on him. They called him names. They pushed him aside. And because of his uh, short stature, so to speak, they don't want him coming around. The people in the crowd, they want to see Jesus, and they want to get up close to Jesus. And they're not about to let this tax collector take their spot and be able to see Jesus. So Zacchaeus is working really hard, but we see that he is drawn to Jesus. He doesn't stop when people push him aside and kind of block him out. He doesn't stop when they call him names. He, he doesn't stop when he is not able to see Jesus. So he sees a tree, a sycamore tree, which is interesting because it's kind of a crooked tree. And here's a crooked man climbing up a crooked tree to see Jesus. And so he climbs up. And the words, the, all the verbs that are used here, like he tried, he hurried, he ran, he climbed. Look at all that he's doing. And it's because he is drawn to Jesus. There, there is this magnetic um, field that is around Jesus, so to speak, where it just seems to draw everyone in. Maybe you've known someone like that. It, it could be a friend that you admired because everybody seemed to like this person. When this person walked in the room, it's, it, it's that light that turns on. Everybody wants to hear from this person and see this person. Just a genuine, wonderful person. And maybe you are that person. 
and uh, and you've experienced that the the friendships and you just love everybody and you're so extroverted. Well, Jesus had this kind of effect on people. They wanted to be around him. They could sense that there was love, there was grace. They could hear about his mercy, but they could also see it in how he healed other people or how he forgave people. I always played with uh, magnets in in, um, school, uh, and uh, whenever we'd be in science class, we'd we'd try to do different things with them and just to try to figure out the power of uh, magnets and the sizes of them and all of that. And, you know, if you get a magnet, if you get a piece of metal and you get it close to a a magnetized object, uh, as you get closer and closer, obviously, it will pull towards that. And if it's not close enough or if it's not in that magnetic field, it's not going to to draw to it. It's still going to be isolated. But the closer you get it, uh, the, the closer that attraction will be. And I think the same thing is true with our relationship with Jesus and the effect that Jesus has on us, that there is this magnetism that is there that draws us to want to know more about Jesus. And maybe that's why you're here today. I mean, the donuts are really good. (laughs) And you might have come because of that, but I doubt it. The coffee, it's not bad. Richard, you do a good job with coffee. Um, maybe your uh, Sunday school class is great, and, and maybe the people that you're around, uh, that is attractive to you, and that's why you come. I hope so. hope that's the case. But I would imagine the single most reason that you come is out of your interest in Jesus. And we are a church. We are a Christian church. We are hopefully a Christocentric church where Uh, Everything that we do comes out and and flows from that relationship that we either have or we desire to have with Jesus. And so I I wonder, are we doing all that we can to get near to Jesus? Are we getting closer and closer? Are you? Could it be said if Luke was here that he would write about you that... He or she hurried, ran, was willing to climb a tree and kind of make a fool out of himself or herself just to get a glance at Jesus? Could it be said that you have that kind of passion and that kind of attention and focus on Jesus? Zacchaeus is not a perfect person. We know that. And Jesus attracts people who are not so perfect. And that would be all of us. And draws us in. But the next effect that we see here is a personal effect. As Jesus is there uh, walking down the street, as he looks and sees Zacchaeus, everybody else is trying to ignore him. But Jesus goes over to where he is. And he looks up in the tree. I don't know if he did the... Uh, you know, the peace sign like we see there. But, but he motions to Zacchaeus and he begins to talk to him. So here is a, a Jewish leader, a teacher, one that, that so many called rabbi and would call Messiah. And here he is walking up to a notorious hated sinner in the community and is talking to him. 
you have purity mixing with impurity, especially in their eyes. And I'm sure the disciples that were there with Jesus were saying, Jesus, what are you thinking? Don't go talk to him. He's a traitor. He took our money. And he, he treats us like dogs. And, and um, we don't want anything to do with him. We hate him. I don't know if they said that or not, but I'm sure that there was some language going on uh, to try to distract Jesus from going over there. So Jesus has to kind of break through the crowd to get over to where Zacchaeus is. And he says, come down, right? Come down. I want to go to your house. Now, if someone invites themselves over to your house, uh, you probably don't think too much about that, right? I mean, you, you don't really appreciate that. Uh, you, you'd like to have a little warning. Like, let me invite you, Jesus. I want to be in control here of who's inviting whom. So I'll invite you. But that's not what happens. Jesus says, I want to come to your house. Let's go to your house. So this is even more uh, scandalous. Jesus is not only talking to this guy, and there already rep, uh, there's a reputation going uh, about Jesus, uh, rumors and things about how he already colludes with people who are sinful and evil. And so now Jesus is going to go to his house? I thought we were going on through Jericho. I thought we had things to do. He says, no, we're going to go on over to Zacchaeus' house. We're going to go hang out at his house, have a meal. And so that's what they do. And there is this personal attention that Jesus gives to a single individual and takes time to spend with him. And we see that there is this interaction that goes back and forth between them. I, I like to hear about popular people or very important people who take time to spend with other people. Uh, you think about uh, presidents and others who have done this, where they will go to somebody in the crowd and uh, give them some personal attention. Uh, when the Pope was here in the United States uh, this past year, there were a lot of uh, selfies that were taking place, and there's one right there. How cool is that, right? Even if you're not Catholic, uh, to want to, to get the Pope in your selfie, I mean, that gives you a lot of bragging rights. It, it probably won't get you to heaven, but it might get you a little closer, right? So here is the, the Pope, and he does this all the time, and it drives his security mad because he will just go do his own thing and go to the crowd and talk to people, and he is willing to have his picture made with him. He is personal. And we can understand today that if, if there were selfies when Jesus was around, uh, he would have taken a whole bunch of them, right? I can see Jesus and Zacchaeus like with a tree in the background. And I don't know if Jesus would have had a selfie stick, but hey, he could have said, poof, selfie stick, you know, and create one. And then he would hold it up, have a little extension on it, you know, and be able to take a really cool selfie and maybe put it on Jesus Graham or whatever and, um, and get the word out. He is that way, and He is that way with us. It's not that Jesus just did that a long time ago, but He is that way with us now. Jesus represented God and God's presence right there in human form with Zacchaeus. Doesn't that tell you a lot about God? 
And as we think about that for our lives, we recognize that we are Zacchaeus, aren't we? And Jesus comes to us in such a personal way. He goes to where you are. If you think about this past week, think about where Jesus went in your life. Maybe you didn't think about it. Maybe you weren't aware of it, but as you look back this week, you can see where Jesus was present in your life, where you were sensing the presence of God. Maybe it was through a person. Maybe it was through a situation, some kind of uh, circumstance that was going on in your life, as we heard from this, this story uh, about uh, going from um, Papa John's, right? Did I get that right? Oh, I just gave them too much credit, didn't I? Uh, Little Caesars is better. But, uh, and then Walmart and, and uh, just the, thing, the, the really miraculous, unexpected kinds of things that were going on. We can look at our lives and see where Jesus gives us personal attention. And I hope that you'll see that as you go into this next week, that God is very interested in you as a particular person. And it doesn't bother God at all that you are not perfect. Because God has done something about it. God has made it possible for you to have a personal relationship with God through Christ. And I hope that you've allowed that to get personal. Because it is personal, it requires a response from us. That if you're going to have a relationship with someone, there there has to be uh, your response to that. To say, yes, I want to go with you, Jesus. I want to follow you. And I want to respond to what what you are bringing to me. I want that. And Zacchaeus wanted it so much, he was willing to chase after it. Jesus makes it really easy for us, and we find that here. So it's not only a magnetic effect, it's not only a personal effect, it's a transformational effect that comes into our lives. If you look back here, uh, as you see the things that are, are going on with Zacchaeus and all the things that he does... Zacchaeus stood there after he finds out that uh, Jesus is coming to his house. He stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone, which is a joke because he has, he's defrauded everybody, uh, then I will pay back four times as much. Zacchaeus was a really rich man. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. And then Jesus gives his purpose statement. For the Son of Man came to seek out and save that which is lost. And that's what Jesus was doing here. Seeking out someone like Zacchaeus and saving him. Zacchaeus had a radical change in his life. It must have been Uh, humiliating, embarrassing, convicting, all those things wrapped into one. And we don't really find that Jesus condemns him or says anything like, you better pay back all that money now that I'm at your house. He initiates that and says, I know I have done wrong, and I'm going to do something about it. You don't have to say anything, Jesus. I just know 
that I need to make some changes, and I'm going to do it. And so the changes are transformational. They are evident, not only to him, but all the people he's going to be giving the money back to. Something has changed in Zacchaeus' life. And people probably weren't automatically willing to just uh, answer the door the next time Zacchaeus came a-knocking. But his witness would grow and expand as he would follow Jesus. And I'm sure he inspired a whole lot of other people who needed to get right with God. The kind of effect Jesus has in our lives can be transformational. I say can. Uh, It's not something that uh, is forced upon you, just like it wasn't on Zacchaeus. But when we get a chance to see Jesus, when we get a chance to hear him and see him and experience who he is, then we get an understanding of who God is and how God comes to us and how God loves us and how God wants to transform our lives. So in your life, have you experienced that transformational effect? Have you allowed God to touch you through uh, these words of Jesus or through an experience of having Jesus seek you out and save you to where you could, you could declare, and, and there's a lot of joy here in this text. Zacchaeus is joyful because of the change in his life. And he is showing the fruit of that. When this happens to you, when your heart is changed, when your mind is changed, your actions will change and people will notice the difference. I was reading an, an article this past week about uh, Jen Hatmaker who um, has a a reality TV show, right, Jenny? Um, Something about houses, uh, changing houses. Something on HGTV. And uh, she also, uh, she and her husband are church planners in Austin and uh, dedicated Christians, not only doing things that relate to uh, houses, but uh, to the house of the Lord. And there was an article about Lifeway, uh, which is the... um, Christian bookstore, Uh, it's a a Southern Baptist bookstore, but uh, there's a a lot of products there that are for other denominations, but they dropped her books, they just said enough, because she uh, is is one who has said several times that, uh, in fact, she has written this in some of her books and things, that she is not against uh, gay marriage, and she is is not uh, condemning of uh, people in the LGBTQ community. And so they, they just said, okay, well, we're not going to sell your books anymore. And she just all this abuse that's been heaped on her because of her standing up and saying that she believes God loves us all. And uh, I think about that and how Jesus has transformed her life and how she sees God at work transforming other people's lives. But as churches, sometimes we miss that part. And we will talk all day long about the love of God. But we'll hate our brother or sister. And that is not a witness of the church. I loved hearing the stories this past Sunday for our third storytelling session. And it, it, it's neat to hear all of the, the stories that we've had for, for the, the whole time. Uh, because... The thing that is common, even though every one of those individuals who shared their stories are different, 
the thing that is common in all of them is Jesus. Jesus has had such an effect on each one of them that they have such a beautiful story to tell as a result. And that's the good news. Because God loves us in such a transformational way. So I ask you today, as you think about cause and effect, to think about it not just about what happened on the football field or what happens in our news events, but to think about in your own life. There is a cause. Do you see the effect? Have you allowed Jesus to affect you as he did Zacchaeus? Let's pray.